By the mid-16th century, the Roman Catholic Church had focused far more on church tradition as its guide than on Holy Scripture. The Bible translation used exclusively in the Roman Church in the 16th century was Jerome's Latin Vulgate translation from the original Hebrew and Greek. The problem is only scholars in those days could read Latin, and the Mass itself, the whole worship service, was said in Latin. The, the Bible was read in Latin, which meant that Roman Catholics had to depend completely on their local priest to tell them the message of the Bible and explain as well what was happening during the Mass. When voices called for the Bible to be translated into the language of the people so they could read it for themselves and understand it more simply, the Roman Church actively persecuted those who did so. Now, we are Protestants, part of the Reformed branch of the Church. We're called Reformed because our 16th century forebear, John Calvin, believed the Church needed to be Reformed according to the Word of God, that is, according to Scripture. And he used Scripture as the single guide for his reforming work. Now, a lot has changed in the intervening centuries. After our 16th century Reformation and Protestants exited the Roman Church, the Roman Church itself had a counter-Reformation and, and did a lot of change internally and have since as well. But then and now, the Roman Church still has two equal authorities, Holy Scripture and Church tradition. Whereas at Reformed Christians, we view Scripture as our single authoritative guide for faith and behavior, for faith and life. Well, in spite of the reverence for Scripture throughout the Christian world, biblical illiteracy remains pervasive. So to test your knowledge of Scripture this morning, I prepared a little Bible quiz on the Old Testament, since that's less known by most of us than the New Testament. So here's the quiz, okay? You can self-correct and, you know, no, you don't need to share your answers with anybody else. What kind of automobiles are mentioned in Scripture? I bet you didn't know there were automobiles mentioned in Scripture. Well, a British car, because David's triumph was heard throughout the land. Also, a Honda. As Luke tells us, the apostles were all in one accord. It must have been a tight fit. And finally, there's an unnamed vehicle mentioned in the book of Genesis as God drove Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. Another question, did Noah do much fishing while afloat on the ark? No, how could he with just... Two worms. <laughs> what biblical figure had no parents? Think about it. Joshua, son of Nun. And finally, what kind of man was Boaz before he married? Ruthless. <laughs> Today's passage, friends, is from Paul's second letter to Timothy, his younger colleague and dear friend. Timothy needed Paul's wisdom after he encountered false teachers and their false teaching in the church in Ephesus. And in the preceding verses, Paul warned wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. Now, the Greek word translated deceive is planao, and its root meaning as a noun means to be adrift, roaming, wandering. As a verb, it means to lead astray. 
So how does one prevent being led astray or wandering aimlessly as a follower of Jesus? By staying rooted in Holy Scripture. So let's hear what Paul says about Scripture, really what Scripture says of itself, as we hear from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Friends, reading today's Scripture lesson will be Steve Frary. Today's reading is from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Thank you, Lord, for your precious scripture. Paul advises Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed for two basic reasons. One was the trustworthy nature of those from whom Paul learned about the faith, his mother, his grandmother, and more recently, of course, Paul himself. Second, he's to remain firmly planted in the faith because it springs from the sacred writings which he has been taught since childhood. Now, in context, Paul was speaking about the Hebrew Bible, our Christian Old Testament, which was the only Bible they had at the time. As the stories of Jesus were being shared at that point orally, transmitted orally, and the Gospels had not yet been written. Now, we believe these words that Paul talks about here are true in describing not only the Old Testament, but our Christian New Testament as well. Now, in the prophetic books of the Hebrew Bible, our Christian Old Testament, the prophets declare, thus says the Lord, and then faithfully deliver God's message. In addition, many Old Testament texts yearn for the coming of an ideal Hebrew king, like David of old. Now, those hopes find fulfillment in the person of Jesus, who is the focus, of course, of our Christian Greek New Testament. The New Testament documents get their authority in a borrowed manner from Jesus Christ, to whom they bear unique and authoritative witness. Now, what more does Paul say about the nature of Scripture, its uses, and then its grand overall purpose. First, in verse 16, Paul speaks of these writings. He tells Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God. The Greek word inspired means literally God-breathed. Though written by human beings, whose writing skills and personalities come into play, God guided them so that they conveyed God's message. Counter to what some have thought, Holy Scripture is not simply a collection of flawed attempts to express the mind and will of God, but a message given individuals by God. So while written by real and fallible human beings and being thoroughly human, Holy Scripture is more than a human word. It is also God's word to us. John Calvin said that God makes God's self known in a twofold revelation. God is known as creator through the visible world and through Holy Scripture. God is known as redeemer through Scripture alone. 
which Calvin likened to a pair of glasses to clearly show us the true God. Now, how do we know that the Bible is more than a human word, but the word of God? John Calvin answered that question in a very interesting way. Though he agreed that the Bible has sufficiently firm proofs to establish its credibility, he never tried to logically prove the Bible's inherent authority. He wrote, in fact, the word will not find acceptance in our hearts before it is sealed by the inward testimony of the Spirit, meaning God's Holy Spirit. That same Spirit, therefore, who is spoken through the mouths of the prophets must penetrate into our hearts to persuade us. Now, second, what are the uses of Scripture that Paul mentioned when he wrote to Timothy? Paul lists four uses in two pairs, each with a positive and negative aspect. In terms of belief, on the positive side, Scripture is helpful for teaching, for instructing the people of God, as it includes the revelation of the mind and will of God for our lives. Negatively, it's also helpful for reproof, that is, exposing the errors of false teaching. Now, in terms of behavior or living out our faith, from a negative perspective, Scripture provides correction for those whose conduct needs to change. And from a positive perspective, Scripture helps train Christians in righteousness so that as followers of Jesus, Paul says, we may be equipped to perform every good work. In other words, Scripture guides us in a very practical way about what to believe and how best to live out what we believe day to day, an ethical guide as well as a theological guide. And as Paul told Timothy, that applies to our beliefs and our behaviors. So scripture is uniquely inspired. It has these purposes to guide us in terms of belief and behavior. The third question I want to explore with you today concerns the grand overall purpose of Scripture. Please note that in verse 15, Paul describes the purpose of Scripture when he speaks of the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. The sacred writings which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying Scripture has the power to literally make us wise to salvation through faith in Christ. That is Scripture's ultimate person, ultimate purpose. Now, we often speak about the authority of Scripture, but there is some disagreement about over what areas Scripture is intended to be our authoritative guide. In the words of the writers of our Westminster Confession of Faith, the 66 books of Holy Scripture are, quote, the rule for faith and life. That means our authoritative guide for what we believe and how we live out our faith, just as Paul told Timothy. Now, some of our Christian friends view Scripture as the authoritative guide, not only for belief and practice, belief and behavior, but, for example, for science as well. This attitude often puts these Christian brothers and sisters at odds with science. Now, I would suggest that there is no reason why science and the Bible should not complement 
rather than contradict one another. If the proponents of each stay within their respective spheres of expertise, for example, in terms of, of creation itself, science is best able to describe the how of creation, while only the Bible is truly able to describe the who and the why of creation. This means that it is improper for scientists to reject God as the creator of all things because no experiment friends will ever be able to disprove God's existence. And science can never ever discover the purpose of creation, which Genesis chapter one clearly communicates. At the same time, it is improper, I believe, for Christians to claim that the Bible is a scientific source of truth when it makes no such claim for itself. Genesis 1 conveys profound theological truths. That chapter tells us that God alone is creator, that God's creative work was of excellent quality, and that human beings alone were created in God's own image and likeness. It's not intended to be a scientific account. For example, at God's command on day one, light comes into being. While the scientific sources of light, the sun and stars, are not created until day three. Now that may be, and I think it is, good theology, but it is not good science. And in case you think most scientists are atheistic and opposed to the Christian faith, let me mention just a few of the many names of Christian scientists from the past and present. Here they are. Francis Bacon, Galileo Galilei, Blaise Pascal, Robert Boyle, Isaac Newton, Johannes Kepler, Michael Faraday, Louis Pasteur, and George Washington Carver, who testified that his faith in Jesus Christ was the only mechanism by which he could effectively pursue and perform the art of science. One of today's most famous scientists, Francis Collins, head of the Human Genome Project, is a Christian, as is Oxford professor Alistair McGrath, an Anglican priest who is both a scientist and a theologian. McGrath has, in fact, written several books opposing atheism. In fact, a review of Nobel Prizes awarded between the years 1901 and the year 2000 reveals that Christians have won 72.5% of all Nobel Prizes in chemistry, 65.3% of all those Nobel Prizes given for physics, and 62% of those prizes in medicine during that whole century. I think that's extremely impressive. Friends, nothing is said anywhere in Scripture that it is a guide to scientific truth. That shouldn't surprise us. All of our New Testament documents are at least 1,900 years old, while some of our Old Testament documents are nearly 3,000 years old. Now, modern science, as we know it, didn't really begin until the 16th century. Now, our 16th century Reformed leader, John Calvin, taught that to preserve the intentions of the biblical writers, 
we must remember that their purpose was to bring us the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, not information in general, including science. As someone wisely said, the Bible cares about the rock of ages, not the age of rocks. Friends, while the Bible makes no claim to be our scientific God, it does correctly claim to be our authoritative guide for faith and life, for what we believe and how we behave as followers of Jesus. In the 1960s, famous Swiss theologian Karl Barth had a speaking tour around the United States. At one of his lectures, he was asked, Dr. Barth, how would you summarize the entire Christian faith? And he replied simply, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Friends, may we all make friends with the Bible so that we might be more informed about our faith, better communicators of the gospel, and more faithful in obeying the will of God as revealed through Jesus Christ in Holy Scripture. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, thank you for all you've given us in and through Holy Scripture, for your self-revelation as it bears witness to all of your saving acts, especially your redemptive love for us in the incarnation, ministry, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus, your word made flesh for us. Amen.